Welcome to Makeup is the Foundation. I'm your host, Erica Carr. Today's session is exactly what you need right now. Are you sick and tired of going back and forth with your brides or having someone lead you on only to find that they are never going to sign the contract? It was a struggle of mine for a really long time and I want that to end now. So my next guest is an expert in sales, negotiating and closing deals. And I can't wait for you to hear all of the information she has to share with you. Please welcome my special guest, Jennifer Cromer. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for joining us. Um, One of the reasons I wanted to bring Jennifer into Makeup is the Foundation is because of her expertise when it comes to sales, qualifying your clients, and negotiating. And that is something that a lot of artists struggle with. So can you just start by telling everyone what your official title is and how you were trained and stuff like that? Sure. Um, My background is completely in sales from day one. No, no makeup. No makeup. <laughs> no makeup. That's clear. That's always been your job for me. Okay. <laughs> um, no makeup. But I, I think the sales techniques have helped also that I've learned along the way have helped in my personal life as well. So that's why I want to share them. But along the career, I've had many different sales trainings. Um, just back from the old school ones starting 20 years ago, a lot of people, even not in sales, have heard how to get to yes. Um, things that you guys still have to deal with. I know there's a lot of sales in your business, soft sales, hard sales, too, and some negotiating. So over time, um, I went from selling to really small accounts and just mom and pop stores up to now I am a strategic account executive, meaning I sell to the biggest companies um, in the world. I think that's really important that you started with mom and pop and moved up because I think a lot of people that come from a smaller market or smaller towns are dealing with a similar um, uh, mindset of being with, you know, mom and pop, small, face-to-face, community-driven type of um, interactions. And then you can grow your business into a luxury level um, business, whether you do bridal, commercial, um, you know, lifestyle, hair and makeup or whatever. And so this kind of parallels that, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And I think not only is it important to point out there can be different levels, you know, smaller to, like you said, the luxury in your line of work, but also it doesn't matter whether you're selling for me to a mom and pop shop or to an enterprise and for someone in your business, when we're dealing it, we're still always dealing with humans and human emotion. That is such a good point because I think a lot of people, um, when they are first starting out and deciding, they're like, what do I charge? You know, what am I supposed to charge for this service that I, I love to provide? And they immediately think, well, I'm in a small town. I probably can't get much. Or, wow, I'm in a big city with a lot of competition. I should probably go cheap. Um, you know, so I'd love for you to kind of start off by talking about when you are qualifying clients um, or what in sales they would call leads or prospects. How do we know if this is my client, just tell us how we start. So I would say I I love when you talk about, okay, if you're in a small town, you maybe can't get much, something like that. I think it really depends on what your client in particular values. So you can have somebody in a big city paying a big, big price for their New York apartment, but if they don't value hair and makeup, they may not want to pay a lot for their wedding. That may not be somewhere where they put their money, but somebody in a small town, that may be of high value. So I think it really is, you know, of course you have to decide for yourself how how much of your pricing you're going to put out there. We've discussed that before. Um, I really like the idea of customizing it, but you have to get to know the person that you're talking to and what they value to figure out, what that customized charge is going to look like and where they value the service. Well, where they value the services too, not just how much you're going to charge, but which part of the services are most important to them. And when we're dealing with 
clients. Uh, nowadays, of course, everyone's emailing, they're texting, they're, you know, Instagram direct messaging, Facebook messaging, things like that. I always found, because I've been doing this so long, that a phone call is the best way to go. And a lot of artists are like, oh, I really hate the phone. I'm too busy. I'd rather text it. And um, I know we both feel kind of the same way when it, ta- when it comes to talking to people on the phone. So can you talk about like when that, when that client reaches out for the first time, um, what's the best way to kind of get them on the phone and start to find out if they are, you know, your client and, and what they value? We have talked about this a lot. And I think the number one most important thing, if it's at all possible, is face-to-face communication. But knowing that is not always possible, not in my line of work and not in your line of work, right? Right. Um, at a minimum, the phone call, at a minimum. Um, I think texting is problematic for any business or any personal relationship at one point or another. It is just, it's too open to misconstrue and and we get too, too fast. So you can't hear the tone of voice. You can't show empathy. Um, and you can't really figure out what the value is to that client other than just the words. And there's so much to hear besides that. So I think, you know, whatever you've described, whether, however you're marketing yourself, whether it's the internet or a flyer that they've seen or your Facebook page or however they're coming to you, I think you put out there what you want out there to get their attention. And then when they come to you, you could schedule that phone call to deliver your pricing. I wouldn't ever deliver pricing without a phone conversation. Um, I typically don't ever deliver it if it's possible face to face. If it is possible, you know, if you're working out of a salon and they can come in and meet you for a 15 minute meeting or something like that, that's ideal. But at a minimum, I wouldn't give up that phone call. There's just too much you can learn um, from hearing the person and there's too much trust that you can gain and give them in you by having that conversation. A lot of people will get an email or a text message that will say something like, hi, this is Jennifer. I'm getting married on September 1st. How much do you cost? And that's all that we get. And for me, it's always kind of a a shocking question. At the same time, I know it's probably seems normal to the person asking it. So when it comes to hair and makeup, it's really hard to just respond with I'm this much because they don't know what it comes with. They don't know all the extra things. So how can we engage that person and get into that conversation without directly answering their question? Sure. I think that that, that's fair. I could have seen myself doing that, sending out texts just to ask and maybe eliminate a few that I thought were too expensive for me. Or, oh, if they're too cheap, they must not be good. So those are the risks you run there, right? But I could easily have seen myself doing this in the past just to kind of start the initial process and gathering, you know, for my wedding. So I would say, um, same with in my line of business, I do have people say, you know, what is the price for one license situation? And I always tell them, once I have, a discovery workshop and I gather all the information, I can give you a specific price that's tailored to meet your needs and an exact solution for what you need. So obviously those words are going to be a little bit different for the makeup industry. But once I gather a little bit of information about you and what, what you're after for your wedding or for your event or whatever it may be, how many people, because there's a lot of complexities that go into, I know what you do. You may be doing multiple people. You may be doing different services. You may have touch up. You may have hair. You may just have makeup. So I think that is very fair to say with a few brief questions, I should be able to get you a customized price for your specific event Um, pretty quickly if we can talk and I can get that information. And then when you have them, you can really try to pull out what they value and what's important to them. 
This is why I think phone calls are so important because when, you know, if somebody writes back and says, you know, what, what do you cost? What are your prices? And I get back to them right away and say, um, I would love to schedule a phone call with you just to gather some additional information when is good. If they reply to me with a time or, if, you know, answer the time that I'm giving them, if they choose one, um, then I know that maybe I could get them to that next level. If they don't respond at all, then I kind of myself know that's not my client because they want to know a number right now because they kind of have a number in their head. Um, so I move on from that. But what a lot of people don't realize in the hair and makeup world is not only are we answering these questions, we are going back and forth, doing administrative work, because they'll probably have multiple questions leading up to it. We have to prepare them so that they know what to expect on the day of arrival of, of a wedding or something like that. And then we have to deal with collecting payment. Um, some people collect half up front. Some people collect all up front. Some people collect it a few days before, which is what I do. Um, there's deposits. There's all kinds of different communications. And a lot of people don't realize it, but all of this that they're doing, um, a lot of people don't pay themselves for this time. So when we say, you know, how much does it cost? Uh, the client doesn't realize all of these extra things that go into it besides the actual service on the day of the event. Um, so I'd like the fact that, you know, we were getting people on the phone and we're doing what I like as a customized proposal. Um, and some people will ask, well, do you change the prices based on their needs? Uh, you know, do you just raise the price if they have more of a budget? And I always just start with like a benchmark rate. Like I know how much it's going to take for me to leave the house for the day. What's it going to be worth it to me? So I've always explained it that cost plus time plus reputation equals value. And that's kind of my go-to. So when it comes to some, when we start getting somebody on the phone and we start asking these questions, um, can you give some tips on types of questions to ask to get to those hard to find answers. Yeah, I think to start with your question, though, you even what you said in the beginning, I think we've talked about how sometimes people are, are afraid not to put their prices out there because they only want people who can afford them. So I think what you said initially is if you want to just send out a message saying, I start at this level at a minimum, right. but I have multiple services included, and then you can get them to talk. So that's kind of where you could qualify is we start at, as a minimum, if you want to really weed out folks that you feel like can't afford you, you know, this is my minimum. So that can be in your first response. The other thing you just said that I think is so important too, is this is all of your time. You may not be doing artist work at that moment, but that administrative work is still your time. And if you're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth without knowing how they're feeling and you're doing this in text and sometimes email and maybe a quick phone call here or there, multiple emails, that takes time. Nobody wants, I mean, you don't, you don't go to school to do what you did because you want to sit behind a desk and answer emails, right? Right. So <laughs> that's, um, that's. I, I would say you've got to value your time and that's where you can stop. And I think being prepared is something maybe we haven't talked about in the past, but I think I could, as you were talking, if you being prepared can have served two purposes, number one, it can qualify them out, but number two, it can build trust. So if I were to text you and you tell me my prices start at X but I would love to discuss with you so that I can put together a customized package. Then when we arrange that time and we talk and you actually ask me questions like, do I want touch up time for these girls or, you know, it's your business. You give me an example of something that could be an add on. Erica? Yeah, there's um, like, for instance, I always ask, um, what time does the bride or the VIP need to walk out the door and how many services will we be doing leading up to that point? Um, and that way, you know, I try to find out what's important based on those things. So if she's like, oh, I have only so much time to do photos, then I know that a time is of the essence. So maybe we, we rearrange her time and we talk about why that's important. So as soon as I hear the first thing that comes out of their mouth, that's usually the most important. Um, and I address that right away. And I feel like when I do that, 
the trust is instantly built because they know that I listened. Absolutely. The point I was going to make, but even more trust is built. I think from, from a client standpoint, getting this done, I know as the salesperson per se behind this, I go in and I have a huge list of questions and people have always said, not always, but occasionally we get folks that just want to get to the price and they're like, well, can you just email me your questions? Well, no, it's actually a conversation. Um, But if you can have, if your questions all lined up and ready to go, if I were to call you Erica for my wedding versus the text I just sent to, I don't know, Betty makeup lady, and she responds with, $750 or something like that for a specific service. And I reach out to you and you tell me you want to have this 15 minute conversation, but you start at X and you'd love to discuss. And we get on a 10 minute phone call where you ask me eight questions that I haven't ever thought about because I've never gotten married before. You instantly earn credibility just with that. So I'm thinking you're going to be, now I'm thinking, well, I wonder if Betty, the first person I talked to is going to offer all that. What's in her 750? And number two, I didn't even think of it. So you must be really experienced and do this all the time. You've been to multiple weddings. You know, I haven't ever gotten married, so I didn't think of that. And I think that credibility right there is going to win over so many points versus the person that's just going to text back their price and be done. I totally agree. And I think what you were saying about being prepared is super important. I think a lot of people that are afraid to get on the phone, they are afraid because they aren't prepared. They don't know what to ask. They don't know how to navigate someone's questions because when you get a bride on the phone, you're either going to get a timid bride that are, that will just give you one word answers and you really have to pull the information out or you'll get the chatty bride that wants to tell you her colors and her theme and a million things. And <laughs> they haven't even decided if they're going to hire you yet. And, and you're on the phone. And, you know, I, I start by telling people to have a time limit. Let them know I can take your call at 1110. I have a client at 1120. So it's a perfect amount of time for me to get the information to give you a custom quote. And then when you get that information, make sure you're writing down all of the, you know, the clues or the things that they're telling you so that you can reintroduce those important points back into the proposal when you write to them. So if time is a, is a factor or because they're in a, you know, they're getting married in a wine country and it's windy, you can address that in the proposal so that they can be reminded that you that you did listen, that you can, um, you know, solve these issues within your services. Um, and it, again, it, like you said, it, it creates credibility. One of the things that um, I hear from a lot of artists is that they go back and forth so much answering questions, trying to negotiate a $5 here and $5 there, and they don't know when to stop or they they feel like they're going to get the sale. But after 16 emails, they end up, you know, the person ends up going with someone else. When do we know when it's time to walk away or keep going? I would say when you feel like you have provided every ounce of information and the emails are flowing back and forth, I think that's the time to get one more conversation. If you can just pick up the phone versus the email, say, could we spend five minutes on the phone? I have a couple more questions for you, and I know I wanted to clarify a few things for you you've been asking me. If you get them on the phone and they start to talk, um, you can probably, there's probably another fear. If, they're, if we're getting into you know 20 emails back and forth, there's some there's something there that's keeping them from committing to the contract to the deal, right? Right. And you have to figure out what that is because they've known the price. You've you've built your credibility at this point. So once you get on the phone and they start talking, it it might be they're very there's a few people in their wedding that they they had to put in there. And this is just a thought off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of wedding type examples here. Um, There might be three people in their wedding that they really don't like. And it's really irritating them that they have to pay for their makeup, but they know they have to pay for everyone. So maybe you work out different, you know, a a different situation there because it, it maybe isn't about money and the overall price. You don't know, but as you get them talking, 
one of the tricks, not, not really a trick, but a tip that you can help figure out to keep someone talking to really find out what's keeping them, what the fear is, what they're worried about is when they're going on and on about something, let's say it's even just price to be very simple. It seems like you're really concerned with the cost. Right. Then they'll answer. So you don't want to say, I know you're really caught up on the cost or I know you think it's really expensive. You don't want to put words in someone's mouth. It's really, really important to show that empathy and to take a soft voice and a soft turn, a soft tone in your voice and say, it seems like, it seems like you're really concerned with your new mother-in-law getting in our way. It really seems like you're worried about me doing your updo that day. I love that. Would, phrase. I think yeah, um, would another trial help. This yeah, has been so many people when, when you say it seems like, because I think that's where we get stuck is, is what do we say here? Um, my, because you know, what people don't know, just background, Jennifer and I have known each other since we were 12 years old. So we've been besties for years. So we, we know each other pretty well, but when it comes to, um, you know, sales, I've been sales trained. She's got extensive, you know, years and years and years of doing sales. And these little sales tips like this have helped me close a lot of deals. So when I have a client that is kind of going back and forth and I ask them if they have any more questions, um, I'll ask them point blank if I feel that I'm very comfortable with them is, you know, what is holding you back from saying yes? Or do you have to, you know, go through like a committee, for instance, do you have to get it cleared by your mom or your dad or your fiance, or uh, are there other people involved that would help you make the decision um, or that are prohibiting you from making the decision? But I love to say, it seems like X is your concern. Um, I think that's a really soft and approachable way for people that might be afraid to go full force bold on somebody because I, I'm a pretty blunt person. So I'll, and people know that for me right away when we start working, I say, you know, I'm, I'll just tell you like it is. If you have a question, I'll give you the straight answer. Um, but I love that. It's a really soft way to get people used to talking on the phone because it's more conversational and it's more like talking to your friend. Yeah. And I think you're right. When you have that relationship with someone, you can ask those questions, but when you're still trying to get that client, it's a very soft way instead of acting, asking the direct question, because some people aren't as direct as you and I, Erica, and right. <laughs> they, they, they may just give us an answer. They think we want to hear because we are stronger women. Right. Um, so I think to, to just soften the voice and say, it seems like you're really concerned with, or it seems like you want the updo really bad, but you're not sure if it's the right, you can even say something, you know, isn't true to get them talking. So even if you know it's cost, you can make it about something just to get them to talk. It seems like you want the updo, but you don't want to, it costs too much. Or it seems like you may not be sure about the updo, you know, and then they can go into it's the money or no, it's the makeup. You know, I, I don't have a great example off the top of my head. I oh, that totally works. My line of work. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's a lot of people would say like, you know, you could say it seems that maybe uh, the airbrush, you know, add on is a concern of yours, or it seems like the lashes might be a concern, or it seems like adding the three extra people uh, might take up too much time. Is that right? Or something like that, because the biggest concern for people is adding services, um, especially if you're doing a day rate experience, which is what a lot of people offer now, which is where we stay the entire day. We touch them up until the last, you know, poignant photograph is taken, things like that. Um, but I love that it seems so guys, make sure you're taking notes here because this is really going to help you out. Um, the, the leading into when you were talking about pricing, this is the biggest issue. Okay. The biggest issue with artists is that Somebody will email and these are two things. Tell me if this, if this is the same for you, if they write and say, hi, Erica, I'm, I, I was, you know, told that you do great work and I'm interested in having you do my wedding on X date versus hello, I'm getting married on this date. How much do you cost? So I think of the hello with no name attached um, as a price shopper and someone that's used my name has obviously been referred or they found me online. So I don't approach them the same way. Um, 
do you find that it's different when someone's a referral versus just a cold, you know, reaching out to you? Typically in my line of work, they will say they were referred. I think these days using the name is becoming more and more popular because I think in many, many trainings out there, not just in sales, but we learn emotionally it's better to connect with people. I mean, even just on general podcasts and building relationships and everything, I hear you use their name, use their name. So hopefully I think we'll see that maybe maybe it's not great because you can't delineate as much in your line of business or over email. But again, we go back to, I think that's awesome, Erica, point to go back to that that's why you need to eventually get them on the phone, right? And figure this out. But I would say, I would urge you, I would urge you to always use their name as yeah. much as possible because that's what's going to build that trust. Hi, Tori. It's, it's Erica calling you about the wedding. You know, instead of, hi, it's Erica. It really builds that relationship. Hopefully that's what they're doing. Either A, they were recommended or B, they're going to be a great client because they're trying to do the same thing and get to know you. So I, I think it's just a good, it's a good practice either way. One of the biggest topics that everyone wants to know is pricing and when people are challenging clients. So when it comes to you've, you've had that conversation, you've figured out the concerns or the things that they value. Maybe it's they want to be um, getting ready with their best friends or they want to get ready alone or they have very fine hair. It never stays or they've got problematic skin or whatever the cause you've addressed this. Um, and then when it comes down to price, when someone gives pushback on price, the biggest is you're too expensive. Um, you know, how do we even go there? Because I think either a, an artist mentality, if they say they're too expensive, they freeze. They don't know what to say back because it's like, well, this is my price. Uh, or they'll start to discount. And I tell, you know, everyone that's taken a training with me, I'm like, don't immediately start discounting. Um, that's not a good way to go. You can offer value added services, but don't just start taking money off the top. Um, so when someone gives you pushback of like, that's too expensive, uh, what do we say? I would say, first of all, I agree with you. The first thing you want to do is not discount. Not to say you shouldn't discount. That can be absolutely get a deal done and be very valuable and maybe at, at what you should do. Um, but it definitely shouldn't be the first thing you do. Because if you immediately say, well, would 10% off help? That to me, loses some of that credibility you built because they automatically think that you have more involved than what you did and what you should have more put into the price. So then they're just wondering why you screwed them over in the first place. At least that's my immediate thought when it's immediately done. Now, if you make them work for it, if, or I'll say, if you make me work for it, when I'm, when I'm on the other side, when I'm a client, there's more value to me there and I feel better like you've done something for me if I feel like you had to work for that or you had to think about it or move some things around. So, and, and sometimes it really is. Sometimes you may be talking to a bride and you really like her and you, you feel like she'll be easy to work with. So it's worth 5% less for you to have an easy bride to work with on, on that Saturday versus bridezilla who's going to pay you 15% more. So I agree. Number one, don't discount immediately. Wait and figure out what the problem is. So as you talk with them, I think one of the things we talked about before is they say, you're just too expensive. You're too expensive. Figure out what's too expensive. Did they get five texts from somebody else that said lower prices and they have no idea what's included there, but try to uncover that say. And one of the things um, I know we've talked about in the past, Erica, is you can say, okay, too, is it the hair, the makeup? Ask those questions. Is it too expensive compared to what? To yeah. not having it done? To doing it, are they comparing it to doing it themselves? So zero dollars? Or are they comparing it to another hair and makeup artist that doesn't include five of your services? And, and there's a few different ways to handle that. You can say, you know, if you have, you know, if you could help me understand what 
you mean by too expensive? Are you comparing me to another artist? Is there a way I can help you? I'd be happy to walk through the services that I provide. And maybe, maybe there is an artist that's a little less expensive that'll be best for you, but I can at least point, help point out to you what I'm providing and what they're not or what they're providing that I'm not. Um, so number one, figuring out, or number two, I guess, figuring out what they're comparing you to. And then I would even go as far as to say another trick when they're talking, it may not be, they may just be overwhelmed about price and concerned, you know, maybe that's not the issue. They're concerned about something else, but you aren't going to find out if you're just sitting there defending your prices. So you don't want to sit there and defend and defend and defend. Well, it's going to take me a lot of time to drive to Lake Tahoe. So, and gas money and it's hot that weekend. Like if you're defending your prices, um, that's probably not going to end well for you. If you are (laughs) calmly (laughs) describing what you've put all into your customized solution and package, that might go a little better. Um, Offer to walk through and rather than say too expensive and take a discount out, I think you could go through and say, okay, do you want to go through the services I've provided and we can talk about maybe which ones you're not as interested in and we could maybe make the package um, fit your budget? Then it's not about taking a discount. It's about, okay, well, we're not going to do the flower girl's hair. Take the two little girls off and then it works. But then you're talking about the services. She, She knows everything involved and maybe she can walk through and figure out, oh, wow, I do want everything. Okay, I'm going to get it. Um, at the end, and she said, when they say something like, and that's just for makeup, if you're not sure what they say, a good trick here is to just repeat the last two or three words that somebody says. So rather than say, start defending yourself and say, well, makeup's going to take like 45 minutes and I use the best products and they're really expensive. And, and you go on and on and defending, defending your price. If you just take a deep breath, soften again and say, when they say, that's just a lot for makeup. All you have to do is say a lot for makeup in a question tone and then let them keep talking and just be quiet. Just repeat a lot for makeup. And they can say, well, yeah, you're just, all we need is some lip gloss and mascara. Well, (laughs) guess what? Then now you just figured out as the conversation goes on, you might realize she really cares about the hair. She doesn't wear a lot of makeup and that's all she really wants is some lip gloss. She doesn't want to have her whole face painted for 45 minutes. But if you're defending the cost of makeup to her versus asking the questions, you aren't going to figure that out. So I urge you just to not defend yourself and just say a lot for makeup and let them keep talking. I love it. It's kind of like they're convincing themselves. Yeah. And really it's uncovering what's really bothering them. But if you're busy talking, that's why makeup artists don't want to be salespeople. Typically true. Business women, <laughs> but not right. You don't, you, you didn't grow up wanting to sell the most Girl Scout cookies or whatever. It's not, that's not probably, probably for the majority. I'm sure there's a few and I know you're good at it, but (laughs) it's not the funnest part of the job. The art is. And so going back and forth, don't, you don't have to defend your pricing, just figure out what's important to them. And then. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. Um, one thing that I used in the past that worked for me is sometimes when you do get them on the phone, um, I will just straight up ask, you know, what budget have you set aside for your beauty, for your, for your wedding? Because, uh, you know, every other vendor will ask these questions, the photographer, a florist, a venue, they will ask you from the start, what is the budget? Because they're not going to pitch you the biggest package um, that's the highest price if your budget is nowhere near that. They might, you know, pitch you something a little over your budget, um, but not the skyrocket price if you're at the bottom end of the, the barrel there. So what I've always done is ask the question, you know, what is your budget for your wedding beauty? And some people will immediately say, 
um, oh, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it. And I'll say, is it between 500 and 5,000? Just to get them to really think like, oh, uh, yeah, well, it's somewhere in between there. And I'll say, is it closer to 500 or is it closer to 5,000? And they usually come back with, well, it's not 5,000. And then I can start going backwards going, okay, because if, you know, if you kind of get that light conversation started, they could say, well, you know, I was thinking more like this because, the, you know, they have a budget in their head. They already do. They just don't want to share it with you first. So I try to eliminate, you know, a couple of things right out of the gate. Do you think that's OK to just like ask them for their budget right out of the gate? Oh, absolutely. I would even venture to say that it, it, they have an idea of the budget in their head, but I I bet there's a lot of people that just go into it not having any idea what it costs to begin with. And they might just really be thinking 500, but when you say 5,000, they're like, they do, you know, um, because I would have had no idea when I, back when I got married, I would have had no idea. And so when you would have said, I, I definitely think it's fair. I do it in my line of business. When you say 500 or 5,000, it gets them thinking all they have to do is get you closer to one end. And you can say what I would like to hear as a client is that you're trying to work on a package that fits their needs and is respectful of their budget. Say, I don't want to come back to you with a $4,000 pack. It's five things that you're not interested in. Um, or five things that you weren't planning on. I don't, I don't want to blow, but I also, I don't want to limit you on things either. So what I can do is if you give me that budget, I can get closer to the things that are important to you. And I can list a few other items that you may not have thought of because I've done this for years. And then you let me know if any of them are, are interesting to you. But that way, then I don't feel oversold, like you're just trying to get 5000 out of me when I thought I was only going to spend 1000 it, yeah. it seems like you care. If you say you want to be, hey, I have these other services. I'm not trying to push them on you. I want to be respectful and mindful of your budget. But I did want to let you know that we, we also have them if you decide you want them. Then I don't feel like you're pushing me. I think it's important when, when you guys are asking your clients these qualifying questions, when you've had that first phone call, that you write down all of those important points and that you bring it back into the conversation. Like when I do a proposal and, you know, I use both my sales training and my hair and makeup training to, um, to get that empathy from the client. And I always send a proposal back with three choices. The first, you know, say option A, B, and C. Option A is always the most expensive with the most details listed. Um, Option B is moderately priced with um, kind of medium amount of, of information. And then option C is the least amount priced with the least amount of information listed. And in the beginning paragraph, I always address the specific needs of the client. So I might say, you know, thank you for choosing Erica Carr Hair and Makeup Services for your October 5th wedding. Um, it is a pleasure for me to style an event for your friends and family. And then I'll go into, you know, the event at the Carneros Inn, um, you know, gets quite windy. As we discussed, we'll make sure we maintain the hair, we maintain this and that. So I make sure that one, I know the area that I'm working in. I readdress the concerns of either the venue, the the service, or whatever was their issue in the beginning within that proposal to remind them, hey, I didn't forget. And the first package will have everything listed that I would do for them, the cost, and then I reintroduce it in bullet points with the investment at the bottom, um, the requirement to to give a deposit or retainer, and then everything that's inclusive like time, labor, travel, etc. So when we give a proposal back, um, I often put a time limit on my proposals. Do you do the same? I do, yeah, because I, I think the the prices can change, right? You may... It, you may not be booked for a certain season yet, especially if they're calling that far in advance, right? Right. But right. once that proposal is done and you may have, now you're completely booked and you're in four different cities that fall for next year, you may not want to do that for the same price if somebody doesn't call you back for nine months. So, and you know what? I would love to see that as left open for you as a negotiating tactic as well 
because if I call you nine months later and I didn't seem interested, you can say, well, I have had a price increase. I would say, I would like to see that left open as a negotiating tactic. You may get busier in the fall and have weddings in four different cities. And when they call you nine months later, you may have raised your prices a few percentages, but you can still, you can still honor that price, but then you have it as a negotiating tactic. You can say, Hey, you know, my prices did increase. If you want to send me the contract and sign by next week so that I can get my schedule in order, I'm happy to honor the prices that I gave you on the previous contract. Yes. I think, um, I think in the wedding industry, the dates are super important. So when I send a proposal out, I will say these, um, this pricing and, uh, you know, proposal is good for, and I'll, I'll do like a two week thing max. Um, and I'll give them the first right of refusal, but if it is a popular month, like for instance, on the West coast, especially in Northern California, where I was working most in October and September and October are the busiest times to get married because of wine country, the fall foliage, the weather is amazing. And so those are the dates that are hot commodities. So I let people know this is the busiest time of the year. Um, so if we start getting a lot of increase in, in requests for this date, um, you know, we're going to take the first person that offers a deposit. And that's what I tell people right out of the gate. So I'm like, if you want to secure your date, we have to have a retainer and a signed contract within this time frame. Um, and then if someone asks me for that date and they're willing to sign right away, you know, I go back and forth of, do I get in touch with this other client and, and stretch it out where I might miss both opportunities? Or do I take the first one? I always take the first one personally, or the one that I feel like is the best, you know, fit. And some people might wait it out to say, well, this one, is going to pay me more money in the end. So maybe I'll wait it out. And I said, well, you might not get either. So, you know, how do you deal with stuff like that when you're like, okay, you know, I could take this client here for X dollars, but if, if I, you know, maybe wait, I think it's more of like instinctual possibly. Um, if I wait, I can make double that, but in the end they might, they might both choose to go elsewhere. So these are the things we struggle with as artists. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I think what I like that just came out of what you said is not necessarily, you know, am I going to miss it? I think what is great is that's another tactic that I would, similar to what I use, sometimes I'll tell someone if I'm, I'm not really going to Chicago, but I'll call them and say, hey, I am in Chicago next week. Do you have any time for a meeting between one and four? I get meetings so much better that way than saying, hey, can I meet with you next week? If I tell them, hey, I'm in town, it makes me seem available and limited. And what that corresponds with what you just said is if you're waiting on a certain date, let's say it's not a busy season, but you're you're trying to build yourself as an artist and you want to get booked. You could easily call that person back and say, hey, I know we had a great conversation and we've got that contract. I had another bride call me for that date and I just wanted to give you first right of refusal because I know we talked about it. So um, I don't I don't want to start saying the date's available if you were going to return the contract. But I just wanted to let you know that I'm starting to get inquiries about that date. So do you know if you'll be able to firm up and maybe nobody called you? But people don't want to miss out on something, so they might go ahead and book because they're afraid to lose that date. Yes, that's always the hope, for sure. <laughs> now, when we are dealing with, this is one other thing that happens. Um, when you're, you've already signed the contract, okay, you've gotten the deal, you've gotten your initial retainer, um, and now it's coming upon the wedding where it's going to be happening in the next couple of days. Now, let's say the bride comes to you and says, you know what, those, the people that we didn't want to add before now want to add. Do you honor the original prices? Do you have like, you know, different prices for that day? Um, maybe you might have to add another artist. You might have to change the timeline. Um, do you just honor what you originally quoted or are you able to use that as leverage to, you know, say, well, I'm going to have to call somebody else in on this. It's going to cost more. How do you have so this conversation? I, so I like the idea. I know you said you can do a few different things with your pricing. As a Now I'm thinking of this from the client's perspective. Um, 
I would have liked to have known what those extras were. So possibly here's your, here's your customized package and here are some of those a la cartes if you decide to add them. And they chose not to. I would still honor the price. Now, if you need to add another artist, that's a different story, right? Right, right. Um, and that costs money. But I don't, if, if the time frame is similar, I would honor the same prices. I would hope and expect that if you gave me these prices six months ago and there's going to be another artist there anyway and we're just adding it and you're, because really you're getting more money for your time there too. Right. So, so you want that, you want that extra, if you're already going to be there, you want to make as much as you can. So as long as it isn't costing you more, I would say honor the price and you don't, you don't want to risk getting them frustrated before the wedding anyway. But as long as it is, it, it truly is the same price and there's no difference. I would say honor the price and do as best you can. But I like the idea of the customized package and listing those a la carte. So I know you said you can do a package one, two, and three. So that's an option too. They may just want a little bit, but you list those a la cartes and then honor those prices because that's more money in your pocket. When we're at the wedding, this happens all the time for a lot of people. I think the listeners will totally agree is you're, you're kind of in the middle of something or you're wrapping up and suddenly a cousin from another mother who's twice removed and divorced, whatever, with their dog will come in and go, can I just get my eyes done? And we always, I always recommend never do a partial service. It's not going to behoove the client if their foundation sucks, but you're just putting a killer eye on them. It's still going to look crappy. So the conversation is always, you know, for me, I do a start to finish all the way. I don't do a partial service, but when they walk in and they're like, how much for just eyes? And then it talks about like educating the client. So, you know, if it's a conversation before the wedding, I have a no problem explaining why. But when someone's standing right in front of you going, can you just do this? How much? What do we say? So I would say you have to address that with a wedding prior, which I know you usually do. That yes. has to be addressed. So we, I, I, you don't have to be as concerned about upsetting Aunt Tilda, right? Right. Or the cousin, <laughs> your your goal is to keep the bride in in the bridal party happy, and so if that is discussed with the bride in advance, I think there's a couple gentle ways to get out of it. Saying, um, you know what, I am, I have a specific contract, and I'm happy to do that, but I have to work through these services first, and I just don't know if there's going to be time. Yes, you know, if you want to do it, what. Or if you don't, hopefully that's just kind of avoiding it and pushing it off. And hopefully they'll go get a drink and go away. Um, or you can just say, you know, I'm, I'm bound to a specific contract and there's a la carte pricing and those were all agreed to. I'm sorry. But make sure the bride knows and address those things. Again, I think that's if you address those in the beginning for her, she won't be mad at you later, but you built your credibility where other artists maybe didn't. That's totally fair. And I think that a lot of people don't have that conversation prior. I think when you're discussing all the details with the bride, it could say, is there a potential that someone may show up last minute to get something done? Or are you pretty sure that this is only the services that you'll need? And within that conversation, you can say, if someone does want to add on, would you like to take care of that for them within your, your budget, or would you like them to pay a la carte? And when you have that conversation in advance, it won't be so awkward where you can go to the bride and say, you know what, aunt Sally just walked in and she wants her makeup done. Did you want me to go ahead and do it and just charge the card on file? Or would you like her to pay cash? And then, you know, you can have that conversation because she's already, we've already discussed it once. It's not a surprise. It's not an additional stressor for her. Unless she's told you that in that conversation going, you know what, if Aunt Sally comes in last minute asking, she's on her own. I'm not paying for her. So that you can just have that conversation with Aunt Sally and nobody else. Absolutely. I would think as a bride, that's one of the last conversations I'm going to want to be having that day is deciding on who else I have to pay for. Um, I think addressing up front is absolutely essential. And then, you know what, I think if you're starting out in – you know, you're not doing $5,000 day weddings and there's another 50 bucks to be made by Aunt Sally. Why, you know, that's up to you. But if, if you have the time, if you have the time to do a job that you're proud of, 
and everybody else is done, then that's your decision. That might be more opportunity for you. But you're right. If it's just, you know, give, give, you know, the 70 year old, the smoky eye, that's, it's never going to look right with her. Bad foundation. (laughs) Exactly. And that's your decision, right? So I think the key is discussing it with that bride up front. You don't want to upset her. And then you too be prepared with what those costs are. So if somebody comes up to you and asks, you can say, oh yeah, I have a little list right here and have your little list of add-on services. And if they want to pull their cash out, great. Or you can square them or do take their payment however you do. You might be able to take this $2,500 wedding into a $3,000 wedding. It happens all the time is because, you know, there's so many emotions flying. There's so much money being put out at that point. A lot of people go, yeah, what's another 500 bucks? And they'll do it happily because it's this occasion that's only going to be repeated never, you know? <laughs> so yes. it's important. Um, well, I, I want to let the audience know that this is just the first series of our conversation. We're actually going to have a second podcast specifically focused on negotiating. Um, you know, there are times to negotiate. There are times not to negotiate. So for the next podcast, what are some things that people can expect you to discuss um, when we have our next meeting? And also, where, um, where and how were you trained when it comes to negotiating? Because you're really good at it. Oh, thank you. I think I would like to get more into the details and emotions of negotiating the prices. So I think touched on some of those things today um, as far as pricing, as far as pushback um, in the tone of voice you can use. But I'd like to go there, there's a lot deeper we can go there. And I have been trained by all the basic I've read every sales book that's out there. Um, I have been trained in all the big corporate trainings, corporate visions, all the ones using props, you name it. I've gone, I've heard every Zig Ziglar book, tape uh, training I've done, you know, from old school. All those have been done all the way to one of my most recent is I was trained by an FBI um, who, FBI agent who negotiated hostage situations. So all the most famous hostage situations on that you've seen hit the news. I was trained by the FBI agent there as well. So well, I, that's going to be an amazing training. <laughs> if you can get an FBI negotiator training, I think we can help a lot of people get their brides to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jennifer. And I hope everyone enjoyed uh, the first series of this podcast um, with Makeup is the Foundation. Join me for my next episode, which is the, the focus will be on negotiating your, your skills uh, to sign more deals. And Makeup is, is the Foundation always talks about hair, makeup, nail, skin, business, sales, and everything else. Have a good day, everybody. Bye-bye.